Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise, and I am once again joined remotely from our respective home offices by principal analyst Gina Ballwalker. Hi, Gina. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we had so much to talk about. We had to keep the conversation going. Last week's episode, to those of you who listened or haven't yet, we answered the question, what steps can companies take to measure the business impact of experience design? And we walked through why this is so critical for companies to do. And Gina walked us through five steps that companies can take to establish how to measure the business impact of their experience design work. On this week's episode, we're going to answer the question, how do you approach building this into your design process? So really beginning to establish measurement as part of everything that happens in design to scale it going forward. So with that, Gina, last week, we mentioned how all companies need to care about how they measure the impact of design, whether they are looking for best practices to optimize or are just getting started. When we think about how you build this into your design process, are we still talking to all companies here? Yeah. So with this report, Jenny, we're focused on the design teams who are trying to figure out where to begin. We find most design teams, quite honestly, fall in this category of, okay, we get it. We know we need to quantify and communicate our impact. We understand what some of the best practices are to do so, but give us a blueprint for how to actually make that happen and to start baking this into our practice. And that is the goal of this report, is to provide that blueprint in the form of a three-phase approach. Great. Yes. And that is so helpful, too, because once you know... You're bought into the idea. You know how to go about the idea. Where do you actually start, right? What do you start doing tomorrow? Sounds like those are some of the answers that we'll be getting. So when we think about how you start establishing the measurement program, what is that very first step that a company should plan to do tomorrow? The first step is to get started. And the way that you do that is by establishing your proof of concept project. This starts with picking a pilot project. And there are some considerations when doing so. The best design leaders are telling me that you want to start with something that's small enough that you know, if it doesn't go as intended, if you don't see this like tremendous improvement in the experience, that it's not going to ruffle a lot of feathers. You want to also start with a project where there's a clear goal identified, a specific outcome the business is driving towards. And you also want to make sure you start with a project where the data is readily available that you're going to need in order to be able to make that connection between, you know, the design work that was done and the end result for the customer and for the business. And then the last thing being probably very obvious, but pick a project where the stakeholders are actually interested in working with the design team. If you have someone who's already a champion for design, that can be a really good choice as far as a stakeholder to partner with for your proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And once you've identified your proof of concept project, then the next step is to actually create a measurement plan for that project. So asking questions like, how are we going to measure whether we've hit the goals set forth by this identified pilot project? Where are we going to get access to the data that we need to do that? And what teams do we need to engage to help? 
So for example, if your proof of concept project is around improving the adoption of a self-service feature on the website in order to reduce calls to the call center, you're going to want to start by identifying what is the current call volume related to that feature? What is the current you know, cost per call? How much is it costing the business to service customers who can't do this effectively online? And having that data in hand, you'll be able to calculate that cost reduction. So the approach would be to use that data to baseline where the experience is right now, and then repeat that same process after your proof of concept is done to be able to show, hopefully, that design was able to move more calls onto the website because the user experience of the self-service feature was improved. So that's just one example. Yeah. And that's a good example too, or some of the things that you mentioned, because it's not just establishing a proof of concept as a first step. It's really identifying something where you can get that proof of concept because not all projects, no matter like how impactful they may be or strategic they may be, are going to be able to allow a design team to articulate the value that they delivered as much as some other projects will. Exactly. And one of the examples in the report comes from Abigail Hart Gray. She did a podcast episode on the Design Better podcast where she talked about how she identified a proof of concept when she started to lead design at Northwestern Mutual, where you know she identified a challenge the business had. They weren't seeing adoption of their external account aggregation feature on their website. The usage was really low. So she said, perfect. This is an opportunity for design to come in to improve the online experience and increase adoption of that feature. So that's what they did. That was their proof of concept project. They used it as a way to introduce the design process to the company. And the net result was they saw a 300% increase in adoption of account aggregation and a reduction in bounce rate of customers coming to that tool and then leaving. So very effective proof of concept to really start to kind of build your design measurement muscle as a team, but also to create some kind of positive momentum in terms of positive results that design was able to help build. Right. So then once you've done this, right, so you pick that project, you know, you can measure it, it's hopefully going to be a win, right? So you can say we measured the value (laughs) of design, and there is value. Mm -hmm. The next step here in the conversation would be working this into some type of a, a process, I imagine. And my initial thought, though, is that's going to be pretty hard because each design project is going to be different, right? Or might have a different goal or a different model. So how do you go about that next step? Yeah. So the next step, as you mentioned, Jenny, it's all about starting to increase rigor, cadence of where you're applying this process and building up the skills of the team. So to your point, all the different projects design is involved in, the team members working on those understand how to take what you did on the proof of concept and apply it more broadly. So a few best practices there. One is create frameworks and tools for your team to make that process repeatable. This is where if you have a design ops function, they can be very useful in helping to develop these frameworks. The Bank of America design ops team, for example, created what they call narrative decks in PowerPoint that help guide their designers in how to tell a compelling story about how design led to a particular end result. And that's just one example of that. Uh, Equally important is to start just leveling up the skills of the design team. 
We talked on the last episode about how designers don't tend to be very comfortable speaking in the language of business and kind of speaking the language of metrics, but we need to get them there. So this is all about doing things like immersing the team in the financials of your company, creating safe spaces where they can actually talk about that. Maybe you have a team meeting where people can come and ask the silly questions around the different ways that your company makes money and start to understand and learn together so that they're comfortable having those conversations with their business stakeholders. There's also an element here of as you hire new people into the design team, start looking for people who can effectively talk about impact, you know, present their portfolio to you, and they're able to articulate, you know, the specific objectives for the projects that they worked on at their last organization and what the end result was that they were able to contribute to. Look for people who are analytically minded, but can also tell a good story. So as you were talking about this phase, it reminded me too, and I feel like I keep tying everything back here to the design process. But when we think about design ops and research ops, how a function of that is to share, you know, the customer research and customer understanding work that you're doing, right, amongst other designers and people across the organization or create reusable assets so that not everyone has to reinvent the wheel. That's some of what you're talking about here as well. Am I interpreting that right? So when you do some stakeholder insight or you unveil some understanding of what really matters to the business, you can document that and share that out with the other designers so that they can factor that into their business impact work going forward. Absolutely. I mean, I would certainly adopt an attitude of, you know, we're all in this together as a design Mm -hmm. team when it comes to this challenge of building measurement into your process and really leveling up your skills as it comes to studying your stakeholders, speaking the language of business. Take that on as a goal for your team. Create safe spaces to learn and to do that. And then certainly, as you say, Jenny, creating common artifacts and frameworks. You know, we talked about the narrative decks example. Mm -hmm. Another example would be creating a template for building a design measurement plan that has things like, okay, what is the specific business objective or goal that design is helping to achieve? What are the specific metrics that are being used to measure whether the business successfully hit that goal? And then where are the data sources? You know, what are the teams that we need to partner with in order to effectively, you know, demonstrate whether that goal has been met? So, Creating templates and frameworks that can be applied across projects absolutely is a critical element of the second phase. Right. And those help what I had sort of raised as a concern initially, which is that everything can be so different. But here you are creating frameworks that can be applied in a repeatable way to completely different types of projects. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we talked on the last episode about an important best practice of design measurement being, you know, actually applying your craft to understanding and studying your stakeholders. And that certainly comes into play here as well, because as you said, every project is different, but we're used to that as design professionals. Every user experience challenge you come to, there's unique research and unique questions that have to be answered. And I would think about measurement in the same way for every team that you engage with across the business. They're going to have different goals. They're going to have different measures of success. But as designers, you have the tools in your toolkit to ask those right questions and study those different areas so that you know what those goals and objectives are. Mm -hmm. Great. 
Okay. So the company established a proof of concept, picked the right project to apply this to. Then they have begun to systematize, to use a word that I know you use quite frequently, Gina, what that process looks like and the framework and ways that they can help share sort of business insight and understanding as well as reusable artifacts to help tell that business impact story. And then what is the third step here? Yeah, so the third step is to now take a step back and you're applying design measurement across ideally all the projects that design is engaged in at this point. What are some of the bigger impacts and success stories that you can tell? So I'll give you one example. I interviewed Pitney Bowes, and they have been at this for quite a while. And they have started to now build dashboards that look beyond kind of those project-specific design measurements efforts to say, as a practice overall, what impact are we having on the business? For example, they have a dashboard where they track their maturity and successes around design thinking because the organization had a goal of helping people understand how they can apply design methods to solve problems in a better way. So this design thinking dashboard tracks things like, okay, what is the design thinking maturity for different products across the company? How many research studies, you know, have we run in a particular time period? How many external customer interactions have we had, you know, in those research studies that we've completed? How many design thinking workshops have we run? So starting to kind of go beyond project level measurement to thinking more at a design program or design practice overall level and setting targets and applying a lot of the things that we've talked about, but to more of those program level challenges, if you will. And then another important aspect to this is now that you've really integrated design measurement into your practice. What are some of the bigger insights that it's yielding about your customer experience? So this is where we encourage teams to look at adopting journey analytics, for example, something our colleague Joanna has written about extensively. What are some of those bigger insights about what's happening across the customer journey as you look at all of those different metrics that you've been you know, collecting at more of a product or individual experience level? And that can start to surface some bigger insights that the organization should be looking at and that design can help with. And then the last piece of this third phase is you know, now that measuring impact is part of your practice, it's important to make sure as a design leader that you're taking a step back and you're investing time to actually celebrate the successes that you're having along the way. So going back to my Pitney Bowes example from a moment ago, they track how many business wins they have, like how many demonstrated impacts has design had on the organization. And they do little rituals, like in department meetings, they'll award like a celebratory cake to a particular team that has contributed to one of those business wins. So this is about, you know, rewarding and celebrating your successes as a team. And I think that's particularly important because as we talked about, measurement doesn't come naturally to most designers. So these sorts of celebratory rituals can help encourage them and motivate them to want to continue to develop their measurement capabilities. Great. One thing listening to that, that I'm wondering, and I don't know if you've looked into this yet, or if this came out of the interviews, but so where the responsibility lies within the organization for the specific measurement program, 
Mm. And I say that Mm -hmm. because, you know, something that we touched on last episode was not every designer is going to be responsible or needs to be responsible for measuring the impact of their right day-to-day work. But of course, someone who's a design leader or you know, a manager should be tracking the business value of the team that they're working in. But then when you begin to pull in things like journey analytics and measurement from all these other parts of the organization, do you see that sometimes design measurement might live in a different function, especially if designers are more distributed in the organization? Yeah, that's a great question, Jenny. And I, the answer is yes, it's very possible that it would. And this actually ties to a piece of research I'm working on right now with my colleague, Angelina Jenis, on bridging the gap between user experience and customer experience functions within an organization. And Angelina and I have certainly seen examples of teams where those disciplines have begun to merge, either formally from a reporting perspective or informally in terms of just enhanced collaboration. And certainly in those cases, this responsibility around measurement at kind of all levels of the experience fits more within the umbrella of the customer experience function. That being said, it is the case, and I'm, I think this is increasing even more with the current crisis going on, that design in particular often has their value called into question. So even in organizations where it may be the customer experience team is doing a lot of this work, the design leader needs to be heavily involved in that and certainly kind of building those success stories that come out of that mm-hmm. measurement work. So that when an executive comes to the design leader and says, why do you need funding for this additional headcount? What value is this really bringing to us? They're prepared to answer that question. Right. That's really important. I think that you just mentioned there, right? And this is just like how design can't be reliant on a specific executive sponsor just in case they leave, right? They also shouldn't be reliant on another function, you know, depending on reporting structure to prove out their value right? They still have to package it and tell the story themselves as well. Exactly. And the same goes with product management partners. I think in an ideal world, the product management teams that design is is partnering with are doing a really great job measuring whether they're hitting the goals set forth for their product or for a particular project. However, I found it really interesting that many design leaders I interviewed said that that's not always happening. One design leader said that he frequently has to, quote, rescue the metrics, (laughs) the success metrics that were set by a project because nobody really had accountability for actually closing the loop and saying, did we achieve those objectives or not? And so he stepped in and had his design operations team help do that because he knew that he as a design leader was going to need to be able to talk intelligently around what the outcome of that project was. Yeah. Right. So critical to own it and also critical to make sure it's happening. Exactly. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) Yeah. Great. So we've walked through these steps and there are quite a few steps to be made, but also I'm imagining that these steps will take some time, right? From identifying that very first pilot to then systematizing what this measurement (laughs) process looks like and rolling it out. So what should companies expect the timeframe of this to look like? Or how should they expect to get started? 
Yeah, so three things that design teams can do to get started tomorrow. <laughs> Number one, immerse yourself in the five best practices of design measurement. We lay those out in the first report associated with this research, and there are specific steps that you can take to begin embracing those five best practices within your team. Number two is start somewhere. Pick one project that matters, is important to the business, where you have a stakeholder who's excited about working with design and use that to start putting what we describe in this research into play in your organization to get to that first case study. And then number three, as design leaders, you're probably very busy and this is another thing to add to your list. So I would recommend finding someone on the team, this might be a design ops professional, for example, and allocate a portion of their time, maybe 30% of their time to help you get your design measurement practice off the ground. Awesome. Great. So set the goal, pick that project and allocate time. And that's important, right? Because actually dedicating time and resources <laughs> to be able to do this is much more successful than having someone just add this onto everything else they might be doing. So Gina, thank you so much for talking with us for this and last week's episode of the CX cast listeners. If you're interested in learning more about the topic, check out the episode notes for links to relevant blog posts. And we will also update the notes once this research has been published in about a month or so with a link to that report. Gina, thank you so much for joining. Everyone, thank you for listening and talk to you next week. Thank you.